Nicole. Nicole's here. Hi, Nicole. Hi, Anthony Park. Anthony Park is watching as well. That's excellent. Right. Um, Matthew Talbot. Nice of you to, to join us. <laughs> is that what he's put? A cheeky little pop. No, no, Nicole. Nicole. Oh, Listen, Nicole. Okay, it's quarter past. Listen, Nicole. Facebook's having problems. It's having a bit of a, I don't know. You couldn't log in. All right, give us a break. Um, first question. <clears throat> Any ideas on how to approach my barber? You better answer this because obviously I know. Um, <laughs> to do business to business, the barber shop is just outside the gym. A lot of gym members go there. Um, I want to approach my barber to do business to business. The barber shop is just outside the gym. A lot of members go there. Um, I, I think the same way as you would do with any other business, like, um, God, I remember doing this 10 years ago and I, I wouldn't advise the way I, I did it either, which was basically offering, offering a percentage discount off, oops, off a service. It's all going off in my gaff here. Um, off a service, so like percentage discount off the first three months I did it as an offer for the barbershop. I don't think I'd do that again. Um, essentially, it's got to work kind of both ways. I think the way the way you would potentially do that is stick like a, a bit of referral kind of cross promotion thing in place where if they refer, let's say you put them on a referral scheme as if they refer two or three people a month, then they get part of the service or your service free to coach with you. Um, uh, yeah, the way I did went about it last time was X percent off for customers. And it didn't drive loads in because people expect that. But what I then flipped it to towards the end before I moved um, and coached somewhere else was that I, I trained the barber for free for the last kind of three or four months. And then off the back of that, he would not stop telling people about me. Um, so, yeah, I, I think tap into the barber, get to know them a little bit, build the relationship, and maybe sit down, just book a bit of a meeting and go, right, these are my options. I'd love to work with a few of your customers and stuff like that. These are the options. I could train you for free. I could do um, a percentage off. I could do um, something in, in relation to like a member benefits or a customer benefits for you and your, um, for you and your, your customers. But I, I think I personally would lean to, if, if they want coaching, that there obviously is some terms and conditions to it. But I would probably put it on like if he refers two people a month. And if your average price point is say 200 pounds, um, then I would coach them probably for free. Um, yeah, I would put a system in place like that. Now I've just rambled there a little bit, but I kind of went back into how I used to do it and how I used to do it wrong. I, I don't think I just fling a percentage off or something like a discounted rate or anything like that. Because I don't, like I say, people expect that. So I don't think it goes far. But if you kind of get the barber on side, and actually, if you get the barber amazing results, he's going to talk, isn't it? So, or she, should I say, as well. Um, they, they, they're going to talk. So I think that'll, that'll probably do you more good what I did towards the end. Anything you'd change or add to that? No, I think just lean on, lean on the kind of, 
I'd agree with everything you said there. Um, I think just lean on maybe, you know, the local business, small local businesses kind of bandwagon a little bit, um, which is correct. Um, and see how you can work together in those open conversations about, you know, whether you are, um, whether you run a little competition or whether you cross promote on social media together, um, tagging, tagging each other in a couple of times a month. Um, yeah, I think, but I think when you, when you work with small independent, especially like that type of company, I think, you know, service for service or service for kind of cross promotion or something, I think it just works. It just really works. Um, and it's the, one of the best place you can get into because they just talk all day. Yeah. You give them a great experience. They'll just talk all day about you. So um, it's a great shout. That's a big point, actually, what you've just said, Ben. I forgot all about that, like sharing each other on social media. Like some of the guys in the group have done some good things, predominantly in gyms. So like Don, for example, has a small kind of private gym um, and has got small local businesses within like a network and they all share each other's kind of work. Um, that really kind of pushes people in the local area to you as well. Yeah, so use social. Uh, as well as what we've already said. Next question is about social. Is it okay to go off social media on days off or does this lose people's attention? Should you post on stories every day? Should you? <clears throat> Look, I think you need, personally, I think you need to have, when your time's off, your time is off. If you can schedule things in when you have your days off, great. Is it going to kill your social media if you don't post one day? No, I don't believe it is. Is it going to help increase? Yes, it will. So I think you've got to get that balance a little bit. Um, is it detrimental to your business? I've, no, I really don't think so. Will people be turned off by you posting, not posting one day a week or not posting two days a week at the weekend? No, I don't think so, because you get people into the routine of seeing you at different points. And also, if you like, if you think about your social media, and the regular people you follow tell me a day that they don't post. I bet you don't know it. It's not that people don't pay that much attention on, you know, whether you post one day or don't post the next day, they'll get used to seeing you. Um, but I don't think it's a big thing. It's bigger in probably our heads than it is for people on a social. Um, should you do, should you post on stories eat every day? Um, I, yeah, I think you should, I think you should be posting quite a lot on stories. I think that stories is probably where you get the, the quicker engagement. Um, it's also where I feel that you can create, you can humanize yourself to your audience. So you can get people to know you a little bit quicker and easier via, via that. Um, so I think using stories is great to prime people for, like posts or reels or videos or or whatnot so yeah i think do you have to do it every day again same answer as say to the previous question but um i would use that as a to for engagement high engagement um so what you're saying is post on stories every working day or post every working day but if you're yes office. that is a simpler way of putting it Anthony. thank you it's all right i was just going to disagree with you but it's fine 
Um, Whatever. Anything to add, Anthony Park? No, apart from someone really needs to create or tell me that they've created a scheduler for stories because then it would make everyone's lives a little bit easier on them days off. It's my two pence on that question. Um, taking annual leave away from the business for one week. I have another coach running things. What would you suggest for comms between this coach and myself whilst, whilst I'm away? I am mindful of ensuring this goes well, but also want to break. Lol. Laugh out loud. Laughing out loud. Um, I, I don't think there should be any communication. I think if you're taking a break um, and knowing who this person is, um, every time they've took a break, they've worked. Um, if it is the person, I think it is. So personally, I, I don't think much can go wrong in a week. Um if you've inducted them well enough into the business, uh, which I know you have, if you give them the tasks that just tick the business over for that week, which I know you also have, if it is this person, um, I think you should not have any communication at all. As much as that might drive you insane, um, I think mentally and physically, that, that one week away from the business without any communication at all, will be unreal for you. Um, and you won't realize how good it will be for you until you do it. So I don't think there should be any communication at all, um, personally. And that week will fly by. So yeah, that's my opinion anyway. And I think you'll be the same. Yeah, yeah. It, <clears throat> yeah, I definitely think so. And look, you gotta, you gotta bite the bullet a little bit and just, and just down comms and, have a little bit of trust in, well, have a lot of trust in the, in the person, which I know you, knowing this person, I know you do. And I think you prepped really well for it. So you deserve it in the day. Um, next question, please, Anthony Park. How do I ensure clients aren't dictating my diary and best way to schedule and plan this? It's a good well, question. Um, right. Point one. Marketing. Um, when you're marketing, so from a front end, um, if you're a gym floor trainer, work the hours you want to fill. First of all, lead generating the hours you want to fill. That helps massively because um, you'll be meeting people at the time they train in the gym. So obviously converting those into your business then at those times is going to be a lot more fluid, <clears throat> um, which means that you're getting warmer leads rather than potentially, I don't know, potentially relying on cold leads coming into your business. Um, another way you could do it is when you set up um, your onboarding, um, like for consultations and pre-consults and stuff like that, again, book them in the times that you want to fill. So even if they're cold leads coming in or they're leads from social media, um, again, they're going to book in the times that you've got available. So Again, it'll make things a little bit easier when you come then to position the, the time slots, et cetera, uh, moving forward. And then effectively, it's how you schedule. So definitely getting a online scheduler. Um, we obviously hype up Canonly quite a bit because it's decent <laughs> um, and it does the job. So um having the times available that you want to work and putting that on an online scheduler 
Um, obviously, people can only book in the times you make available. Um, and again, it makes things really fluid. Where maybe people might want to chop and change, let's say you've got some shift workers in there, what you can do with things like Canonly is you can create multiple different, uh, show people different parts of your schedule, basically, um, and not show them other parts. So if you've got someone who fluctuates week to week or maybe every two weeks or whatnot with their working schedule, you can basically just show them what you want um, and that will take care of maybe them not booking in the regular slots that uh, people take uh, that aren't on a kind of shift pattern. So work the hours you want to fill, um, be really specific on uh, with your onboarding um, and get an online scheduler. Anything else? No. Me? No. That's excellent. Well, that's bloody brilliant, isn't it? It's bloody brilliant, that. Excellent. How often should you revisit your vision, values, and long-term goals or aspirations or targets? Aims? Um, honestly, this is like, how long's a piece of string? Like, genuinely, it's down to you, isn't it? It's down, it very much depends on you. Um, I was going to, like, the most sensible way to go about it is probably review it either quarterly or half year um it completely depends on you so like i'd love to say that i revisit mine quarterly but i absolutely don't probably about half year you start to think about how far off am i to to my goals so then that can give you the opportunity to look back into goals dig them out start to maybe build them out again alongside maybe your vision for moving forward because it might tweak and, and adapt and, and you might change it because of how that first half year has gone um I don't think your values have changed loads, but it depends, I suppose, on your development and, and self-awareness and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think a really generic answer, either quarterly or half year, I think wouldn't do you any harm. Um, are, there any, are there any triggers that that would make you do that at a different point? Nobody's asked that question. Then. But I, I think it's a valuable add-on. You know what I mean? Are there any what? Triggers? Um, yeah, I think some of the triggers might be that you start to feel like you are losing a bit of focus, maybe a little bit of intent behind what you're doing, um, maybe getting a little bit overwhelmed in, in what you're doing as well. So you're not knowing, not, not unsure about what to focus on next or whether you're doing some of the tasks or priorities for the right reasons. I think as soon as you go through them moments of what I've just mentioned, that should trigger you to to go back to your to your goals, um, and to the vision of the of the business. And I think that happens quite a lot. I think a lot of the time, that happens um, when someone hasn't reviewed their business on a monthly basis. Like normally, when we sit down with the guys in the academy, like nine times out of ten, people who go through them emotions that I've just said, like feeling overwhelmed, a bit lost, um maybe concentrating on the wrong things it's because they haven't done their monthly review like a lot of the time it's that so if you go back if you do a monthly business review similar to what we have and obviously for those of you who are in the academy anyone who's listened to the podcast who's not essentially that goes back through a little bit of mini goal setting every single month so that realigns you and that really helps um but if you haven't got that in place 
then, like I said before, probably the triggers would be all of that stuff plus maybe quarter or half year. Um, yeah, I, I think that would be the thing. And a lot of the time as well, and I know I'm rambling on a little bit here now, a lot of the time is that when you do feel lost, overwhelmed, don't know what to focus on, whether you're doing tasks for the right reasons and priorities for the right reasons, that's because A, you need to go back to your goals, but B, you probably need a bit of time away to refocus. So that might be a good time to do it too. What? Nothing. What are you fucking laughing at? Not my dog. Why? Just staring at me. It's just staring at you? For about 15 minutes. He's probably thinking, why has Nick added a question when he had no reason to? Well. That was a good one. It's a good question, to be fair. Um, next one. Something I've thought about since July and August as an option in case bills, etc., really did bite people's asses. Is promoting training in pairs. What would be your advice for such a thing? Pros and cons, red flags, potential issues, much love. Exactly that is. <laughs> Good question. Um, a, very, a very sensible question for him as well. If, if it is him. <laughs> um, training in pairs. What would your advice be for such a thing? Um, I think get your price point right, first of all. Um, on the surface of it, a lot of people kind of go, well, if, you know, if split the hour, hourly rate in half so it's more accessible, um, I wouldn't go down that route. I'd probably do 75%, um, depending on the service you provide. Um, so it's still at a more affordable rate, um, versus obviously one-to-one -one. Um, pros are um, you obviously your your yield goes up your hourly rate and your yield goes up um, obviously that's a big pro another pro um, it's a little bit I think it's a little bit more enjoyable I just think training multiple people is a little bit more enjoyable than one-to-one -one um that's just a personal preference um other pros are um, hmm. i think it challenges you a little bit more in your programming which is good because it develops you um i think the cons are obviously you've got to be on point with your programming because you know you're probably going to be dealing with different abilities you know, nine times out of 10, even if they're doing well, they probably will be doing the same program, but you've got to be on point with like your coaching cues. You've got to be efficient. You've got to manage them. Um, you've got to have, you know, a continuum regression progressions for, for them as well. Um, so planning is going to be not a con, but it can be if you don't do it. Um, do, 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 do. Red flags are sometimes like if you get one person in and then for a consult for example and then you go oh you could do pairs a red flag sometimes is them dragging their friend or their partner with them and you always get one person who's well into it and another one who's really not and that can be a bit of a frustrating position to be in and it's hard because you probably end up more often than not just training the one person, which then he puts you in awkward position because then you're like, well, 
I should really charge you more now. And it, yeah, it, so I think the way you market it is going to be important. Um, I think where you find those people is going to be important. Um, so couples training um, is, you know, and setting it out from work from the first day in the way you market it um, versus getting someone in on a one-to-one -one and then just go and them saying, I can't afford it. And you go in, oh, you could do this at a cheaper rate. Um, so, and the only additional thing I would say is that treat the individual as an individual externally as well so for when it comes from external support from nutrition and accountability and so forth and so forth so even though you'll save time with the sessions you won't save time with the external stuff like check-ins and feedback and nutrition and support and whatnot anything i missed no oh i didn't listen to a lot of it right, well Why change, huh? Why why change a habit? <laughs> right. So I hope that helped, Dave. Good input from Anthony, as usual. Um, oh, hello. Oh, wow. Right. I've been doing some research into a potential new offering. After looking into the last... Census. Census. You don't even know what it is. You've ever asked this question, Nick? Don't know what it is. It seems it over... should do because it's in this population. It, you're quite finished, huh? You're quite finished, Anthony. <laughs> Census: over half of the population where I'm located are retired or not seeking work. Oh, yeah, there's a really good answer. That is three <laughs> questions. Um, I've only looked you off for the past few weeks. Yeah, okay, fair dues. Uh, could it be the younger generation aren't filling in the census? Yes. Question two, what are your thoughts on group gentle mobility and resistance for retired population? I think off the back of the first question, when I say again, I can only go off previous experience of kind of looking at when you, when you open a gym, you do loads of work on stuff like this. And even the gym that we opened was in the city centre of Manchester and it looked as though it was all the populations that live around it because of the younger job, the generation who were in apartments and stuff were not filling out the census. So if we would have went off that, we would have changed our offering and our marketing massively. So I think dig deeper than just the census um, and do some probably local area market research. I think that might help you a little bit more than just the census alone. Um, so yeah, I would I'd do some local area market research in one way or another, whether that is that you throw a bit of paid um, marketing onto, let's say Facebook, um, because you're probably going to get a decent catchment on there and, and that's a survey and you, you enter them into a competition, very much like we do for everything for marketing. Um, that's probably going to help you um, quite a bit more to to get a realistic view of the of the area and really target that demographic and local area so I, that would be one of the things that i would do that would also help the marketing moving forward um so yes it's probably the younger people not filling out the census so that's the first one what are your thoughts on group gentle mobility and resistance for retired population honestly if that if you're going to go off that census and then create a product or offering for that demographic i think that's a great idea although again 
as boring as this ultimately is, like go out to the market and go out to the market and try and find out. Um, well, they're not going to spend tons of time on Facebook and so on. But maybe that is that you're going to get into the local area, predominantly, let's say, where they go and start to do a bit of market research, whether that's what you want to do or not, or what you want to hear or not, that's, that's what's going to work and give you accurate data. Because you can't make a product or service, in my opinion. We're the only industry that just literally plucks a product and service out of nowhere and tries to make it fit. Um, if you're going to do this in a real kind of a proper way, it's go out to the market, get in the local area, do some market research and try to, to find the people that you've got an inkling of what this product and service is going to be, i.e. mobility, resistance, all of that, and find out what it is that they would want to, to get involved in. Because let's be honest, a lot of that demographic are going to have a decent amount of money to spend um, in most cases, if I'm generalizing. So if you do make a product and service for them, it's probably going to be one where you're going to earn a decent whack of money because if you get the marketing right, you'll you'll get you'll get people who are loyal who want to stay with you purely off the back of um, that brand loyalty, the customer service that you'll create, um, and obviously now you're going to suit the demographic with the products and service that you're delivering because you've done the right level of market research. So. That would be my thoughts. It sounds like a great idea. It sounds like it could be a great product and service, but definitely go out and do some market research. Um, how would you go about lead generation? Um, very similar to, to what you would do normally. Um, obviously, you're just going to have to, if it does end up being that you're going to serve that demographic, you're just going to have to use different areas and different platforms. Um, I'd probably still explore Facebook, definitely. Um, as, as a place that I would go, probably community groups would be a place that I would go as well on Facebook and online. Um, but very much like you would do from a, from a normal kind of day-to-day -day standard population that you normally have in, in your fitness business. So once you've done your market research, you've got your market there, you'd start to go to where they are. So obviously, wherever they are in the local area, Facebook, Facebook community groups, um, that type of stuff, I would probably exploit them areas more so um and then off the back of that i would start to get my message out there within them as consistent as possible so no different really than any other marketing campaign you're just probably going to have different areas that you're different mediums and different platforms that you're marketing um but yeah that's 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 my answer it's a difficult one because if you've looked at the census and the research shows that that's a heavy population, that it definitely gives you the evidence to go after that population. And actually it's probably fairly untapped because they'll probably go to community, like the leisure centers, won't they? And go and do classes there if they do that, or they'll tick along in a gym and just be there for, for leisurely and social purposes. Um, so it's definitely a market you can hundred percent tap into in my opinion. Um, but I wouldn't do it without any more research. Anything you'd add to that? Um, no, just maximize, I would say, where they go and create connections. I don't know if you said that because obviously I wasn't listening to that. Um, you know, um, groups, golf clubs, um, churches, um, church halls, community areas, like community groups, probably Facebook is a good one. Bowling. Um, I've already said that. I've already bowling, said that. Bowling. Um, bowling. Yeah, a bit bowling. of bowling. Yeah. Bowling. Um, 
Yeah, I would just tap into the community because obviously they're probably heavily involved. You could probably assume they're heavily involved in the community. So um, I would, yeah, get out and network as well as much as you can. But apart from that, no. Partly because I didn't listen to what you said. But. I've got lots, but you could more to go in. I can't even speak now. There is more. <laughs> no, yeah, there is more context. I would like to go into it. More than uh, context. And this and this person to <laughs> shut up, dick. And um, as put, can bring this to the event next month. If this ends up being that demographic, I would definitely want to spend time supporting you to really build it out because it's definitely an area that is untapped within our within the fitness industry, and for many different reasons, like. My mum's in this demographic, goes to a local gym near her. She relies on certain classes. There's part of the gym that she just doesn't and won't go into because it's intimidating for her, but she would like to, all of that type of stuff. Um, yeah, and listening to someone like that who's passionate about training, passionate about the gym, you can really pick up on then if you were to serve that demographic, how you could serve them better. So the market research thing is so big, so big for me on that one. But let's see what happens once you dig in a little bit more. Mm -hmm. last question of the day unless there's any on the live chat Facebook that gear um, no none on the chat what's Matthew Talbot saying here finally awake then says you you fucking roll out of bed for our calls <laughs> um, best questions for asking when getting clients to redo their goals um, reflective ones um first firstly so i think um obviously get them to maybe revisit revisit maybe even prior to when you have maybe the month of review so they can start to think about it so it's not on the spot um i think well let's first start i think a scale rating helps in this scenario um from you know, from where we started a month ago or for where we were a month ago on a scale of one to one to five or one to ten, um, ten being absolute, how how do you feel like you dealt with the challenges that's, you faced? Sorry to interrupt, but that's your new word. What? Absolute. You keep saying it. Have you ever heard Paddy Pimlet say at the end of his fight, there's no absolutes? There's no if, buts, or maybes, just absolutes. Have you seen it? No. That's what you remind me of every time you say it. I'm going to send you the video in a bit. Well. Sorry for interrupting. I just thought I'd say it. You keep I'll fucking saying absolutes at the minute. I don't know where you've got it from, but it's boring. I don't know why you'd Carry on. When I'm doing it, Carry on. Can everyone listen and just see what I've got to work alongside? It's just... Anyway. Um... Yeah, so they can kind of rate like how they've dealt with their challenges. So I think you can you can assess um, how they feel they've been getting on. There's obviously going to be challenges along the way. I think um, you could position that to be, you know, if there was, how do you feel on your willingness to change over the last month? Again, um, is a great one. I think what do you feel you need to do to make the changes moving forward in the next month? What support can I give you? 
Um, and obviously you've got markers there. How are you measuring the success and failures of you of your of your goals? Um, and I think all that kind of leads to them reflecting back on not just like have I gone from A to B, but more about the process, more about you know their willingness to change, the effort they've put in, the inputs, the consistency, <clears throat> the honesty. Um, and I think from that, you can that really helps you then to map out what the changes, if any, need to be done in the in the following month. It probably will be, and it comes from them. And I think just like anything, um, if you go back onto the MI motivational interviewing framework, you're following that framework. You're following that framework through. Um, you know, they're going to have some ambivalence. Everybody deals with ambivalence and to help them overcome that will end up with a really good summary and plan for the following month. So um, reflective questions, those ones I've kind of mentioned, I think a scale rating really helps because what you can then go do off the back of it is, well, what would make that, what would that make that, what would help you go from a five to an eight? in that scenario and i think that really helps people go well well to to move that forward i'd need this great let's let's explore that and plan that out so forth and so forth so yeah anything i've missed there i don't listen um you did you were you were writing shit down don't lie um no i think the biggest one listen uh, i think the biggest one is especially if you, you're sitting down with them, is the reflection. How you, your self-awareness, because the difference between me and it, I'll ask a question and I might get what I want to hear, not what I want to hear, but like enough from it off the back of that response from someone and not feel the need to dig into that a little bit more. Um, whereas Nick, for example, might ask the question and then, dig into it more and that'll open up more avenues for people, if that makes sense. So what I'm getting at is be very self-aware of how um, detailed that you're going in, because if you can, let's use, for example, what barriers, challenges and um, obstacles could get in your way for the following month. That's a really important question for you to ask. If they just turn around and go, well, oh, I've got that night out there and that night out there. Okay. Well, what does that look like? Like, before after so you're delving into the question a little bit more how could that get in the way of your motivation for the next week from a tiredness and fatigue perspective like delving into that a little bit more will bring out more so yeah be self-aware of how you ask the questions how detailed that you go into it with people um because it can open up more i suppose more more detail for you to to implement a better plan for the following month if that's why you're doing it so now that's the only thing that i would say that's it. That's it, Nick. Last question done. That's fantastic, isn't it? That is fantastic. Happy days. Any final thoughts apart from coffee? I'll just finish one, actually. Um, no, I'll let you have the final thoughts, Anthony. How many tickets are left? About, what, 15? 15, I think. 15 tickets left. And actually, we've not pushed it this weekend. at all. 15 tickets left. 15 bloody tickets. Just get your tickets for the conference. Get them. Get um, them. Yeah, sort yourselves out. I don't know what's taking you so long. 15 tickets left with four, how many weeks? Four weeks on Friday? Yeah. Four weeks Friday. 
Shit, we better get working. See you in a bit. Bye. Goodbye.